time to dive in in the final preparations for the big game. It's undefeated Ohio State. It's undefeated Michigan going for it all in Columbus. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, you're tuned into Locked On Big Ten. I'm Nate Dickinson. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday. Before we get started, a quick heads up. Apologies if the audio quality isn't as great. We're on the road for the holidays. Do have the good microphone. Do not have the right cord to plug it in with and make it work. So next week, we'll be back to normal. But at least for now, if things aren't sounding quite as good, it will soon. Things should look just as good as they normally do. I do have the camera here with me, too. So we'll hopefully be back on track next week. But we have big things to talk about before then. Michigan and Ohio State set to do battle, and we'll get to all that in just a minute. But first, program today is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We've got a big matchup coming up here, of course, on Saturday, the most anticipated college football game of the season, and the most anticipated college football game for this long of a time in a really long time. I've said all year, there may have been games where like week of you get to it and it would have been a bigger game than this game we're having here on Saturday. But Michigan and Ohio State, top five the entire year. Everyone knew it was going to come down to this. It was just a matter of seeing if anyone would slip up. Nobody did. And we've got an undefeated matchup coming up. So let's look into how each team wins this game. Starting with the Buckeyes, Ohio State coming off, of course, the big loss for the first time in a long time last season. Jim Harbaugh finally gets his win. So how does Ohio State flip the tables and get back to the winning ways here on Saturday against Michigan? First off, just trust that the offense is going to do its thing. Uh, I don't think that's anything that Ohio State fans are going to have a hard time doing. Offense has been doing its thing the entire season. The talent is there. The production has been there to match all year long. That shouldn't be that big of a worry. The big thing you have to know is that on offense, you can't just be making the mistakes that keep Michigan in this game potentially. If the offense is rolling as we expect it to, just don't turn the ball over. Just don't have the penalty yards. Even if you have like red zone trips that result in just field goals, you don't have those trips result in no points because while Ohio State has looked dominant on offense all season, it also has not faced I think a defense quite like what Michigan has to offer here. So Ohio State should still be able to do its thing. I'm not saying Michigan is good enough to stop them on that side of the ball, but if Ohio State makes the mistake here and there, the turnover, the penalty that kills a drive, those are the little things that add up and result in what, in my opinion, is a more talented team in Ohio State losing this game at home to Michigan. Elsewhere, slow down Blake Corum just enough so that J.J. McCarthy can't, has to be the one that beats you. This is obviously huge and key for Ohio State. Blake Corum is the reason that Ohio State would lose this game. Hassan Haskins was the reason last year that Ohio State lost this game. You have to, at the very, very least, make the quarterback beat you. That does not mean slowing down Blake Corum a lot. That does not mean even keeping him under like 100 yards, let's say. 
but the point needs to be that even if he's doing his thing, even if he's grinding out his yards and getting a few chunk plays, that cannot beat you alone in the same way that Hassan Haskins basically beat you alone last season. And he really did do it pretty much on his own. The stat line for Cade McNamara in that win for Michigan, for Michigan, 13 of 19, 159 yards in an INT. That is not a stat line that Ohio State wants to be giving up 41 points with. But that's how many points Michigan scored. And it was all because of Haskins. He was the driving force. And because of him, the Michigan quarterbacks didn't have to do anything. And it's been the same story all this year, too. Michigan running back Blake Corum carrying the team to wins. I've said it in pretty much every matchup. Hey, you just need to slow this guy down a little bit and then make the quarterback beat you. Not saying he won't be able to, but we haven't seen it yet. This is the same story. But this defense is not the same story for Ohio State. This is a better defense than Blake Corum has played up against. If they can slow him down a little bit, or at the very least, let his production not be killer, then Ohio State, of course, has a really good chance. If they are able to contain him and make him look like not a Heisman caliber running back, this one could get ugly in favor of Ohio State early. But that is the key, making sure that Blake Corum is not the one that absolutely destroys you. You have to be able to play with Michigan having pressure on the quarterback to perform because it just hasn't been there this season. And if you can slow Blake Corum down, that's how it ends up happening. You have to do that early, establish early that it's at least not going to be easy for Corum, and then you're on your way. Because if Coram's able to get his big chunk plays and it looks like this is just going to be any other running day for him, that's not good enough. At the very least, if you're Ryan Day out there, play call with the run in mind every time. Be sending extra rushers to stop on the run. Make sure that you're able to, at the very least, get the message across that, hey, if you beat us throwing the ball, that's fine, but we are not letting Blake Coram beat us. Let that be known early in that, at the very least, if he's going to have an all-pro kind of day, make sure that he knows it's not going to be easy for him, that there are going to be guys there and often there to be able to try and stop him, and he's going to have to get by him to do his thing. That's the biggest key for Ohio State, of course. Beat Blake Corum, you beat Michigan. That's not that hard of a problem to solve. Michigan's might be a little bit tougher, but we're going to get into that too here on the program. Locked on Big Ten with everything you need to know about the conference. We're breaking down this matchup a little bit more here in just a minute. But before we do, Bet Online is the place to go for all of your online sports betting needs. Whether it be to get your picks in on a game, make sure that you have all of the best lines, odds, props available to you, or just make sure you're knowledgeable on everything you need to know before you send those bets in. You can do it at Bet Online, a one stop shop for all of your online sports betting needs. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Ohio State side of this is a little bit simpler, I think, and a little bit easier to work with because, again, I believe Ohio State's the more talented team. The odds makers believe Ohio State's the more talented team. I think the general consensus is that Ohio State's probably the better team here, but Michigan has as good a shot as anybody to be able to come into Columbus and beat them on any given one Saturday, particularly this one. So what does Michigan have to do to make that a reality, to go 2-0 in the last two seasons against Ohio State and be able to say, hey, we are legitimate in this rivalry again even more. I think they've done a pretty good job of proving that they are back and Michigan-Ohio State is back in general just with what they've done so far. But once again, as we talked about with 
Ohio State 4. The key to this game is Blake Corum. This entire game revolves around what Blake Corum can do here, in the sense that if you think about how this game ends up close, and you think about the other possible scenarios, I see scenarios where Ohio State blows out Michigan in this game. Right? Ohio State's offense can just be clicking the entire way. The defense can be able to figure something out with either Blake Corum or something else where they're able to hold Michigan down. And then the offense just carries things where in the fourth quarter, it's not all that close. I see situations where Michigan wins this game in a close one. And it would be with Blake Corum running through everybody and doing everything. But with Ohio State, I don't see that one guy where everything revolves around. Like, if C.J. Stroud doesn't have his best game, Travion Henderson's going to be fine, and Mecca Mabuka is going to be great, and Marvin Harrison can help him in the passing game, too. If Blake Corum isn't great in this game, Michigan has no chance. There is no backup plan here for the Wolverines if he just gets shut down. Again, I mentioned, maybe J.J. McCarthy has to do a little bit more, and he can, but if it's all on him, Michigan doesn't have much of a shot. You need Blake Corm to at least be carrying some of the weight that you're used to him carrying game in and game out. But if he does do his thing, that's where Michigan has a really, really good chance to be able to win this. Just set the tone early with Blake Corm and make it known in the same way that Ohio State should be making it known that it's not going to be easy. Michigan should be making it known that, hey, you're, you're really going to have to convince us that you can stop this guy before we give up on him, right? And that's obviously what's going to happen. Michigan isn't just going to come out of the gates in this one biggest game of the season and go away from what they've been doing. But the point is, Blake Corum needs to establish himself as a dominant running back early in this matchup, because if he doesn't do it early, it may be too late by the time that he gets himself going with how good this Ohio State offense can be at times. Again, I guess I should be giving Michigan's defense more credit than I am, but I'm going to talk about how good this Ohio State offense is because it is that good. It really, really is that good against Michigan or against anybody else. So that's just where I'm at on the Ohio State side. If you're Michigan as well, the only big thing on defense is to stop the huge plays. Ohio State's offense is too good to think that you're going to be able to shut them down in any way. C.J. Stroud's too good. The receivers I mentioned are too good. Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, they're too good. If you can, though, avoid the huge plays from happening, you give yourself a chance for a couple of reasons. One is, of course, the obvious reason. Big plays result in big points and big chunks of yardage downfield. So if you can keep things in front of you, you at the very least get to game script the way you want to more, right? Michigan wants this to become a longer game where there's less possessions and there's more ground and pound and there's less of an opportunity for Ohio State's offense to just explode and score 20 points in the matter of 5-10 minutes. If Michigan can stop the big plays, it has a chance to slow down that game, keep Ohio State, of course, from putting up the big points via the big play. But at the same time, it changes what Ohio State's game plan is and what it does. Uh, Ohio State's obviously good enough to beat you, chipping and chunking away down the field with a methodical drive that goes 10-15 plays. But that's not what Ohio State wants to do. Ohio State wants to bring it to you. Ohio State wants to have the big plays. Ohio State's going to take some shots in this game. You better believe it. And while they're good enough to, of course, beat you in the short field as well, it's not what they've been doing all season nearly as much. And, of course, Ryan Day will have this team prepared to play no matter what the condition or the game script is. But 
if I'm Ohio State, I'm obviously more comfortable being the big play offense, given that's what it's been. And the problem with the smaller play offense is there's more plays that are had for less yardage and more opportunities for you to make a mistake. We talked about it. One of the keys is going to have to be that Michigan's going to have to get that big turnover or something else to swing that momentum if things start to get behind them or if they're just trying to close things away. And Michigan needs to have those more opportunities to catch an Ohio State team in a mistake. If you can keep the ball in front of you on defense and establish Blake Corum on offense early, then you have your shot. You have your opportunity to beat Ohio State for the second straight year. And while Ohio State's a more talented team, and I do believe Ohio State wins this game, I'm more than anything just excited to get to it. We have been waiting all season long for this matchup. It has been the most anticipated college football game of the entire year, and the most anticipated, again, of this length game in recent memory. I haven't gone back and actually looked at it all still yet, but... I think this might take the cake over even all of the Alabama and Auburn games that may have come up, or LSU, or whoever else it may have been. This is huge. And these two teams know it, and they've been waiting for it all season long. And we're going to see them leave all of it on the field in a way that maybe even is a little bit special for this rivalry on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it, and you should be too. As we wrap up the program today, I'm going to get into some things to be thankful for. With the holiday weekend coming up, I was thinking, hey, you're going to be home this weekend. You're going to have time to talk to people, maybe talk a little bit of sports with them. And remember that while not everyone is a positive sports fan, there is something to be thankful for every single team out there. So if you have someone spitting those negative energies and talking about how much your team is bad, you can hit them back with just something to be hopeful for. Well, at least we got this, and I have one for every team as we continue and wrap things up here on Locked On Big Ten. Uh, I just wrote these down randomly in no particular order of school, so don't look into that if you were going to. guess I don't know why you would, but anywho. If you're Nebraska, then things to be thankful for, the football program appears to be past its bottom, the rock bottom of what this next trend is going to be. You're about to pay big money for a head coach, whoever it is, hopefully Matt Rule. You're about to be paying uh, all sorts of big money through NIL for players because you know you have that alumni base and you know you have the money to get back like that. So with those two things combined, the fact that you're going to get a big name head coach in here and you're going to be at an advantage when he does get in here with the money you're able to throw at players, you should be happy about the direction of Nebraska football. Just in the fact that it's not spiraling downward under Scott Frost anymore. I mean, start of the season... After you get through a couple of games, Nebraska fans are just like, dang, he's going to be another 12 weeks of this. It wasn't, but Mickey Joseph, 2-6, and six, you're ready to get whoever it's going to be and get that next chapter started. That's something to be thankful for, something to look forward to. Ohio State and Michigan, you already know. Uh, bountiful riches. Ohio State and Michigan football programs are great. Uh, the basketball programs are just great, too. There's nothing to not be thankful for if you're a fan of one of these schools. But also, I will point out, the rest of the Big Ten should be thankful for Ohio State and Michigan, too. They are the teams, whether you like it or not, that make this conference top tier. And if they weren't here, it would be pretty brutal. I mean, imagine if Michigan and Ohio State both left for the SEC, right? That's the end of the Big Ten. I mean, maybe they bring in whoever it is like the Big 12 will try and do and all that kind of stuff. But that's the end of the Big Ten as you know it. So while maybe you don't like them, 
you, you have to be able to respect the programs and what they bring to this conference's prestige. Uh, after that, Minnesota. A couple of ways you can go with this. If you're a guy who likes P.J. Fleck and is optimistic about what he's doing, you can be thankful P.J. Fleck's there. There's good reason to be thankful for him. He's someone who I think mostly makes the fans happy. There's some people who I don't think really like the way that he coaches a game on the field. But with what he does off the field, with what he's done in recruiting and the success he's brought back to Minnesota, no doubt really that he can be thankful to P.J. Fleck. But if you're a P.J. Fleck hater, you can be thankful to Tanner Morgan is no longer eligible and that his love affair with P.J. Fleck is gone. He's the only quarterback P.J. Fleck's known. So Ethan Kalik Manis took over against Iowa. Looks like that's the end for Tanner Morgan as the quarterback of Minnesota. And if you haven't been a Tanner Morgan fan, that's something to be thankful to. But I think most people actually are Tanner Morgan fans, and most people are P.J. Fleck fans too. It's just gone a little bit sour here, I think, over these last few weeks and at some other different times in both of their tenures as well. Moving on, Michigan State basketball team, still strong, still going to be there. You were worried about who was going to lead this squad after the departures from last season. They've proven it already. This team's plenty good enough to compete in the Big Ten and nationally. And on the football side, you learned something at least. The transfer portal is not the way to solely make sure that your team is ready to play football again after a big year of losing players. Michigan State, of course, I think will get back on track. And Mel Tucker seems to be the guy. He has to be the guy. He has a big contract. Moving on, Iowa. Kirk Ferentz is a god. Uh, he is as close to immortal as you get in college football, and it's easy to take that for granted from time to time if you're an Iowa fan, especially with some of the games that Iowa plays. But as we watch Nebraska work around to try and find a head coach, and Wisconsin firing its head coach mid-season, despite being really the only challenger for best in the West in the last 10 years, Kirk Ferentz is the staple of the Big Ten. Not only him as a coach, but his teams. They're always going to be good enough, and they're always going to be pesky enough to compete. And that's what he's brought to the table again. So Kirk Ferentz, obviously, something to be thankful for if you're an Iowa football fan, and don't forget it. If you're Wisconsin, Jim Leonard, I think, as much as we just talked about how rough it is to fire a coach midseason like that, Jim Leonard seems to be able to carry on the Wisconsin football tradition. Uh, he's been there before, and if you're a Wisconsin fan who takes pride in the way that Wisconsin plays its football games, that's not going to change with Jim Leonard at the helm. It probably wasn't going to change no matter what, but now that Jim Leonard seemingly is going to keep this job and take that interim tag off, it looks like he's at least the guy that you want if you want to stay Wisconsin football, if you want to stay on brand. Oh, and... Wisconsin basketball seems to be doing okay too, right? It's looking like at the very least we're going to have Chucky Hepburn there, Tyler Wall, and Connor Asijan. The freshman is starting to show out and show his way too. If those three can be good, maybe that team is back and competing in the Big Ten again too. Uh, Rutgers, the basketball teams, look like it can have some sustained success for the first time in a while. Uh, doesn't look like Ron Harper Jr. was the only positive that brought that team to success last season. Projected to go around middle of the pack of the Big Ten this year. And while that's certainly not where you want to be, it's better than what we've seen from Rutgers in some previous seasons. And for a team that's really struggled to find a footing in competitiveness in a lot of different sports in the Big Ten, it's been a special struggle for basketball and football Rutgers basketball looking like it could be on its way back up. Same thing goes with football for Maryland. A team went to a bowl game last season. Talia Tungavailoa is going to lead them to a bowl game again this season. 
And while he has been huge, I really don't think that he's the only reason why Mike Loxley is having success here. I feel like he can build a program. And it looks like Maryland football is, while it may take a drop off next season when Talia Tungvaloa leaves, it looks like that team, I think, actually is built to be a decent football team. And that's especially impressive given how bad like the Rutgers and Maryland have been on the football side. They've just not latched on to what has been the Big Ten competitive level of football. On Indiana, basketball's back. That's all that matters to Indiana fans. Uh, not just with Trace Jackson Davis, but with guys like Hood Shafino and Renew coming in. That recruiting class and what Mike Woodson is doing has people excited again in Indiana, which is something that's happened momentarily, but I don't know if it's been sustained in a way than since Mike Woodson has gotten onto campus. He kept players there after the transition period. He's bringing in players, and he has Indiana near the top 10 now. So if you're an Indiana fan, you're an Indiana basketball fan, and Indiana basketball is good. That's all that matters. Purdue, on the other side, has a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship game this weekend. That's huge. Jeff Brom, of course, has never been. The basketball team looked good enough with Zach Eady back there, too. Good to be, good time to be a Purdue fan. Illinois. Brett Bielema has the team rolling, and the basketball team's going to be really good again, too. All sorts of things to be thankful for if you're an Illinois team. Chase Brown is a Heisman candidate. He's outstanding, and he has carried this Illinois team to a near win over Michigan last weekend. They won't play in a Big Ten title game, but this season was one to remember if you're an Illinois fan. And then on the basketball side, you got Terrence Shannon Jr. coming in. You got Sky Clark coming in. These are two guys who can really, really make this team competitive. And I expect them to be right there with everybody else at the end of the season because those two are at least starting to show out in the way that we expected them to at the start of the year. I'm excited for Illinois basketball this season. The Penn State Nittany Lions football team still good, which was not a guarantee at the start of the season. And now, while maybe you take it for granted again, hey, knowing that you're on pace to get that 10-win season again is just outstanding. Manny Diaz has been an excellent addition as defensive coordinator. That's something to be thankful for. And your basketball team is something to be thankful for, too. Senior-led group, and in my opinion, has a chance to finish somewhere in the middle of the Big Ten and pull off some wins that could get them in the conversation for an at-large NCAA tournament bid. Football is good again. Basketball looks like it could be good enough. That's good for Penn State. And finally, Northwestern is a really good school. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Northwestern's had some troubles as of late on the football and basketball field, uh, courts, but it's been Pat Fitzgerald out there, who I think Northwestern fans still believe in. And at the same time, you have coming in what is a near top 25 recruiting class in 2023 for football, and fifth in the Big Ten, as things currently stand, that 2023 football recruiting class. So while things can change, that's a good sign. That's something to be thankful for and something to look forward to if you're a Northwestern fan. That's things to be thankful for this holiday weekend in the Big Ten. Of course, most thankful for Michigan-Ohio State coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a whole, whole lot of fun. And of course, we'll have a reaction for you after it happens right here on Locked On Big Ten, whatever it is that does happen in that game. I'm looking forward to watching it and then getting you my reaction right after. That's coming up here on Locked On Big Ten, of course, over the weekend. And we've, of course, got more Locked On Big Ten for you every single day of the week. And wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube and on Twitter, you can follow along at Locked On Big Ten. That's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. 
i'm nate dickinson at nate with sports. until next time this has been locked on big ten.